We're going to be learning in Chidush Rabbi Nochayim HaLevi, the fourth piece in Hilchus Karban Pesach. This is Parak Vav Halacha Aleph. And Rab Chaim is explaining in this piece why there is an exclusion for someone who's Tameh, who's impure from the Karban Pesach. So the famous story in the Torah is that there were people who were Tameh Mace. They had come in contact with the dead body, so they were unable to do the Karban Pesach. So they came and asked Moshe what they should do. And the answer was Pesach Sheni, that they should do it a month later. So from here, it's very clear in the Torah that someone who is Tameh, who cannot do the Karban Pesach the first time around, does it at Pesach Sheni instead. Now there is a more complicated case because when it comes to Tumah, so the person has to go through the process of purification, which generally means going to the mikvah, but in the case of Tameh Mace, if it was a dead body, so then they also, in addition to the mikvah, need to get sprinkled with the red cow's ashes. So the person needs to go through that process of purification, but they're not fully Tahor, meaning they're not able to eat from a carb until after nightfall. So they can't eat on that last day until it becomes night. So now the question is, what if someone's purification process is ending on Erev Pesach? So by the time nightfall comes, at the Seder that night, they are going to be able to eat from the Karban Pesach. But on the day before, on Erev Pesach, when everyone's offering up the Karban Pesachs, at that point they are still Tameh until nightfall of that night. So what is the halacha in that case? Can they do the Karban Pesach the first time or they too get pushed off to Pesach Sheni? So that's a debate between the Rambam and the Raivid. The Rambam writes, Ezeu Tameh Shenitcha Pesach Sheni. What's the rule of someone Tameh who gets pushed off to Pesach Sheni? So in the case of Hanogea Benevela V'sheret Zechayotze Bahen, someone who's Tameh with a regular Tumah, so they came in contact with a dead bug. So if the 14th day, meaning Erev Pesach, is the day when they're going to the mikvah and that night they're going to be able to eat from the Karban Pesach. So then Shochdin Olav So after he goes to the mikvah on Erev Pesach, they bring a Karban Pesach on his behalf and he fulfills his mitzvah the first time around. But the Rambam draws a distinction with a Tameh Mace. That only applies to a case of someone who touched a dead bug. Someone who touched a dead body, so if his seventh day of Tumah is on Erev Pesach, Afal Pishetoval even though he did the sprinkling and the mikvah that day, so that night at the Seder, he's going to be fit to eat from the Karban Pesach, still ain't shochtin alav, Pesach Sheni, he still cannot do the Karban Pesach, and instead he has to do Pesach Sheni. Now the Rambam quotes the proof for his halacha that a tame mace even if he's going to be able to eat at the Seder, cannot fulfill his Karban Pesach that time around. Because the whole story of the Torah, the whole case originally where the people came and said to Moshe that they were Tameh and they can't do the Karban Pesach. The rabbis say that that was their seventh day. So they were asking Moshe a more complex question than we understood initially. They're not saying to Moshe we're Tameh 
Tame and we can't do the Karban Pesach. They're saying to Moshe, today is our seventh day and by tonight we're going to be able to eat the Karban Pesach. So are we able to participate in this first Pesach round? And the answer Moshe said is no, you have to do the second Pesach. You're not eligible for Pesach Rishon. So according to the Rambam, his halacha emerges directly from the story in the Torah, the way the Gemara understands it, that since the case where the people were asking Moshe about is where they were tame mace, but it was their last day, so at that Seder they were going to be able to eat it, and still Moshe said that they cannot do the Karban Pesach, so that shows that in a case where someone is tame mace, even though that day they're coming out of it, they can't do Pesach Rishon, and instead they have to do Pesach Sheni, as opposed to a case of other Tumas, where even the Rambam agrees that if that's their last day of Tumah, even though they're tame on Erev Pesach, during the sacrificing of the Karban Pesach, but since at the Seder they could eat the Karban Pesach, so they're able to be part of the mitzvah. Now the Ravid disagrees with the Rambam, and he says that in all cases, a person can be part of a Karban Pesach if that night they're going to be able to eat at the Seder, even in a case of Tameh Mace. And the Ravid has a proof for this, because the whole source in the Gemara for the Rambam's whole understanding of the story, that the case was where these people were on their last day of Tumah, and at the Seder they'd be able to eat from the Karban Pesach, is in the Gemara in Pesachim Tzadi Amad Beis, and it's used to explain Rav's halacha, that someone who's Tameh with Tumas Sheretz also cannot do the Karban Pesach, because the status of a person Tameh Mace on the seventh day after they went through the purification process is the same as someone Tameh Tomas Sheretz. So if the Tame Mace after the purification process, but before nightfall, still cannot do the Karban Pesach. So the same is true of someone that's Tamei Tomas Sheretz. Now, Rav himself differentiates that a Tvul Yom, meaning someone that's Tamei Tomas Sheretz, who did the purification process, so they went to the mikvah, they're just waiting for nightfall, that person is able to do the Karban Pesach that day. So within Rav, it's clear that he's equating this story to the status of Tomas Sheretz, but not to the Tful Yom, the person that's just waiting for nightfall. Now, according to the Rambam, that the case in the story was where they were just waiting for the nightfall, and still Moshe said that they cannot do the Karban Pesach, so now Rav's position seems illogical because if he's deriving his halachas from that story, then he should also exclude a Tvul Yom because that's the very case of the story. So the fact that Rav uses that story only to exclude Tomas Sheretz but not Tvul Yom indicates, unlike the Rambam, that there is no exception for someone who's Tameh, who's going to be purified by the Seder and able to eat from the Karban Pesach. So that's why the Ravid concludes, from the way that Rav derives halachas from this story, it seems clear that the only exception in the story is for people who are actually Tameh, but anyone who's been through the purification process and they're just waiting for nightfall, a Tvul Yom, regardless of how they got Tame originally, whether Tomas Sheretz or Tame Mace, in all cases they would be able to do the Karban Pesach. So now, according to the Ravid, this raises the obvious question of why didn't the people in the case of the Torah do the Karban Pesach that year? Since they were Tvul Yom, according to the Gemara, and the Tvul Yom is able to do the Karban Pesach, according to the Ravid, so why didn't they do the Karban Pesach? Why did they get pushed off to Pesach Sheni? So the 
Raivit says an interesting historical approach. He says that in the case of the Torah, they actually could have ended up doing the Karban Pesach that year, but they messed it up because they brought their Karban Pesach before they had gone to the mikvah and done the sprinkling. So at the time they brought their Karban Pesach, they were actually tummy. Now, even though that night they were going to be Tahor, because subsequent to bringing the Karban Pesach, they then did the purification process, and after nightfall, they were able to eat from the meat. But because they reversed the order of what they should have done, first they should have been purified, and then they should have brought the Karban Pesach, and then it would have been a valid Karban Pesach. But in this case, they messed up. They brought the Karban Pesach before being purified. So that's why they got pushed off to Pesach Sheni. So this is a very radical rereading of the story that in fact they could have ended up doing Pesach Rishon that year, but because of their own mistake in bringing the Karban Pesach before they got purified, they ended up getting pushed off to Pesach Sheni. But someone who does it correctly, so first they go through the purification process and only subsequent to that do they bring the Karban Pesach. So according to the Raivid, such a person could fulfill their mitzvah that night at the Seder, regardless of how they originally became Tameh, whether it was Tumas Mace or Tumas Sheretz. And Tosfos and Psachim Tzadi Ahmed Beis asks a very similar question to the Raivid, which is, why didn't these people do the Karban Pesach that year? And Tosfos gives an even more radical answer than the Raivid. Tosfos says that, in fact, they did end up doing the Karban Pesach that year. So they were not pushed off to Pesach Sheni because after Moshe instructed them to go get purified, bring the Karban Pesach, and that night they could fulfill their mitzvah. So those people did not end up bringing Pesach Sheni. They ended up fulfilling their mitzvah the first time around. What Moshe records in the Torah is that he's saying anyone who does not follow those instructions, so they would have to do a Pesach Sheni. So this is really a change how we understand the story. Those people were able to do Pesach Rishon at the end of the day, and the Torah's law about Pesach Sheni is applying to people who do not have the same situation. So basically, there's a big debate between the Rambam versus the Raivid and Tosvos. According to the Rambam, the reason the people who asked Moshe did not do Pesach Rishon and they ended up having to do Pesach Sheni is because even though they were at full Yom and that night they would be able to eat from the Karban Pesach meat, so in general, a Tful Yom is able to fulfill the mitzvah of Karban Pesach, but Tamei Mace is an exception to that, and a Tful Yom that comes from Tomas Mace is not able to do the Karban Pesach, as opposed to the Raivin and Tosvos who hold that any Tful Yom is able to do the Karban Pesach. The reason those people in the Torah did not do Pesach Rishon was either because they messed it up, or in fact they did do Pesach Rishon, but other people who messed it up would have to do Pesach Sheni. So those are the two approaches to explaining that story in the Torah and the halacha that we derive from it with regards to whether a tful yom of Tamei Meis can bring the Karban Pesach. Now, the question on the Rambam's approach is as the Ravid asked that in the Gemara, Rav derives from this story in the Torah that in a regular case of Tumas Sheretz, the person cannot bring the Karban Pesach. Now, according to the Rambam, the case in the Torah is a tful yom of Tamei Meis is not able to bring the Karban Pesach. So how does Rav derive from that story to a case of Tomas Sheretz, especially given the fact that a Tful Yom of Tomas Sheretz could bring the Karban Pesach? 
So obviously there's a major difference between these different types of Tumah. So how does Rav derive from that story that someone Tame with Tumas Sheretz cannot bring the Karban Pesach? So in order to answer this question, Rab Chaim suggests that there are two elements to why someone Tame is excluded from the Karban Pesach. And this he gets from the Rambam in Hilchus Bias Mikdash, Perak Beis, Halach Yud Beis. The Rambam writes, Tame Sheretz v'chayotzebo v'ha'aral m'shalchen es karbon osehen u'makriven alehem. Someone who is tame with Tumas Sheretz, or they're uncircumcised, so even though they themselves cannot bring a carbon to the Beis HaMikdash, but they could send a carbon to the Beis HaMikdash to be brought on their behalf. Except for the carbon Pesach, She'ein shoch dinoso al tamei sharetz. The exception to this rule is the carbon Pesach, which is not brought on behalf of someone who's tamei tumas sharetz. And then the Rambam adds another limitation, that someone who's tamei tumas meis, ein makriven all of carbon klal ad taher. We don't bring any sacrifice on his behalf until he gets purified. So basically the rules are that someone tamei tumas sharetz could send a regular carbon to be brought on his behalf, except for the carbon Pesach, and someone who's Tomei Tomas Meis cannot send any carbon to be brought on his behalf. Now, the source for this ruling in the Rambam is the Gemara in Moed Katan Tes Zion, where the Gemara derives from a Pasuk that anyone who can't come into the Beisam Mikdash can't send a carbon to be brought on his behalf. And Rashi explains that it's talking about someone who's Tomei Tomas Meis. Now, Tosfos asks, what about the Halacha that someone who's uncircumcised or Tomei can send a carbon to be brought on their behalf. So there seems to be a contradiction between these two Gemaras. So the Rambam is answering this question of Tosvos by differentiating between two cases of Tumah. In the case of Tomei Sheretz, there he could send his carbon to be brought on his behalf, even though he himself can't enter the Beis HaMikdash. But in the case of Tomei Mace, it's stricter, and he's not able to send any carbon to be brought on his behalf. So basically, the Rambam is ruling in accordance with his solution to Tosos' question that someone who's Tomei Tomas Mace can't send any carbon, whereas Tomei Sheretz could send a regular carbon except for carbon Pesach. And another Another place where this approach of the Rambam is helpful is in the Mishnah in Nazir Mem Zayin. The Mishnah rules that a Nazir who began offering up his sacrifices to come out of being a Nazir and in the middle of the sacrificial process, he became Tameh. So the view of the rabbis is that he doesn't have to redo the ones that he already brought, but instead, he should just bring the remaining sacrifices that he has left and become purified. So the Yerushalmi quoted by Tosfos clarifies that even though in the Mishnah it says that he should bring the sacrifices and then become Tahar, but in fact, he actually has to do it in the reverse. First, he has to become purified, and only then can he finish up his sacrifices. In other words, he can't bring the remaining sacrifices while he's still Tameh. So Tosvos explains the reason for this ruling of the Yushalmi that a Nazir cannot bring his sacrifices while he's Tameh is a law that's specific to Nazir. The Torah insisted that a Nazir has to bring the sacrifices while he's pure. But a Nazir who's Tameh, who brings the sacrifices, even though the Chachamim have a more lenient view in general of how Tumah affects Nazir, but even they insist that he can't bring the sacrifices while 
while he's tame. So that's how Tosfos understands it as a more limited halacha in the realm of Nazirus. Says Rab Chaim, according to the Rambam, we could explain this more simply, that it's talking about a tame mace, and any tame mace is not allowed to have a sacrifice brought on his behalf. So according to the Rambam, it's a very simple halacha. It doesn't have to do with Nizirus. It has to do in general that a Tamei Mace cannot send a sacrifice to the Beis HaMikdash. So Tosvos, who does not have that limitation, so he has to explain it that it comes from the rules of Nizirus. Whereas according to the Rambam, we could explain this as a reflection of his overall approach that a Tamei Mace cannot sacrifice anything. In addition, says Rab Chaim, there seems to be a third place in the Gemara, where the Rambam's approach fits in, the Kesef Mishnah on that halacha and the Rambam in Hilchus Bias HaMikdash. So he explains that the Rambam interprets the discussion in the Gemara's Vachim Chavbez, whether a Kohen whose tummy mace could do the service of the sacrifices in the Beis HaMikdash as reflecting the same idea that a tummy mace cannot have a sacrifice brought on their behalf. So that's the Rambam's approach, and those are some of the sources in the Gemara for it. Now, Rab Chaim points out that according to the Rambam, this is a full Torah law that someone who's Tamei Mace cannot have a sacrifice brought on their behalf. It's not just something that the rabbis added on, because the Gemara in Moed Katan, which is the source for the Rambam's ruling, according to Rab Chaim, derives it from a Pasuk of Biyom Bo'o, when he comes to the Beis HaMikdash. So if he can't come like a Tamei Mace, then he can't bring a sacrifice. So that seems to indicate that it's a full Torah law, that someone who's Tamei Mace is totally excluded from sacrifices. They can't even send one into the Beis HaMikdash, and that's also reflected in the Rambam's ruling in Hilchus Bias Mikdash in the earlier halacha, Yud Aleph, where he says that if they go ahead and do improperly bring a sacrifice for someone who's Tamei Mace, it doesn't even work. So the person doesn't even get atonement, so that indicates that it's Torah law. If it's just rabbinic, so then it would work if they did it improperly, but the fact that it doesn't work at all, it's meaningless, means that this exclusion is a deoraisa, the Torah exclusion excluded someone who's Tamei Mace from having a carbon brought on their behalf. So now, says Rab Chaim, if we apply this idea back to the case of the carbon Pesach, it means that someone who is Tamei Mace during the Pesach holiday is excluded from the mitzvah of carbon Pesach because of two different reasons. One is the general rule that any sacrifice cannot be brought on behalf of someone who's Tamei Mace. So the carbon Pesach is no different than any other sacrifice, and it too cannot be offered on behalf of someone who's Tamei Mace. So that's the first reason because the carbon Pesach is part of the overall category of all sacrifices. But in addition, there's a special exclusion that someone who's Tamei Mace is also excluded from the carbon Pesach because of the very rules of the carbon Pesach itself which are not identical to the first halacha, because the exclusion of someone tame from a carbon Pesach includes also Tomas Sheretz, which is not included in the first halacha. So according to the Rambam, there are two overlapping halachas. The halacha that a tame mace cannot have a sacrifice brought on their behalf applies equally to carbon Pesach, as well as any other sacrifice. And the halacha that someone tame is excluded from the carbon Pesach Pesach applies both to Tamei Mace as well as Tomas Sheretz. So the one time that these two halachas meet 
is in the case of someone who's Tame Mace bringing the Karban Pesach, he is excluded because of both of these reasons. So now says Rab Chaim something very brilliant. In the case of a Tful Yom of Tame Mace, so let's say this is not a full Tame Mace. He already went through the purification process. He's just waiting for nightfall. So now he no longer has both exclusions. He only has one of them. He's not excluded from the Karban Pesach inherently because basically the Rambam theoretically agrees with the view of the Raivid that a Tful Yom could always bring the Karban Pesach regardless of how he originally became Tameh. So once the Tame Mace goes through the purification process and he gets downgraded to Tful Yom, at that point there is no issue with bringing the Karban Pesach, just like a Tful Yom of any other Tumah could bring the Karban Pesach. But the Rambam said there's still a different problem. It's not that he can't bring the Karban Pesach because it's a Karban Pesach. He can't bring it because it's a regular Karban. And the rule that a Tamei Mace cannot bring a regular Karban does not get suspended for a Tful Yom. So that issue is still remaining. So that's why the Rambam rules that even though the problems with the Tameh bringing the Karban Pesach no longer apply to a Tful Yom, but since he's a Tful Yom of a Tameh Mace, so he still has the other issue, which is that he can't bring any Karban, and that doesn't change for Tful Yom, so therefore this person has to do Pesach Sheni. So now this is going to answer the Ravid's question on the Rambam because when the Gemara says within Rav that he derives Tumas Sheretz from Tamei Mace in the Karban Pesach, that makes full sense because in both cases, in the internal rules of the Karban Pesach, once they become Tvul Yom, so they're able to bring the Karban Pesach. So the fact that the Torah excludes a Tamei Mace from Karban Pesach means that we can also exclude a Tumas Sheretz, but once they become become a Tvul Yom, so then the Tomas Sheretz is able to bring the Karban Pesach, as opposed to the case of Tamei Meis Tvul Yom, where he has a totally unrelated problem that has nothing to do with the Halachas of Karban Pesach. It has to do with the regular old rule that a Tamei Meis cannot bring any Karban. But that's not going to affect the discussion within the Gemara, which is limited to the rules of a Karban Pesach. So there, it's very valid for Rav to say that we can learn out the case of Tamei Sheretz from the case of Tamei Mace, because within the rules of Karban Pesach, they both function the same. And theoretically, both of them could have brought the Karban Pesach if they were Tful Yom, if not that the Rambam found a different problem in the case of the Tamei Mace. So that explains how the Gemara can equate these two cases together, while the Rambam still differentiates between them practically, because there's a different problem in the case of the Tamei Mace. So this is a very brilliant approach from Rab Chaim to explain the Rambam and answer the Ravid's question. But now in the third paragraph, Rab Chaim points out that even according to his approach, the Ravid's question remains. Because Rab Chaim is differentiating between the case of Tamei Mace and Tomas Sheretz, that in the case of Tamei Mace, there is an additional problem that he can't bring any carbon, and that's what creates the problem on the last day when he's a Tful Yom. So if that's the case, then again, how can we derive the case of Tomas Sheretz from Tomas Mace when Tomas Mace has another 
reason why it's prohibited, which doesn't apply to Tomas Sharetz. So when the Torah said that someone who's a Tful Yom of Tomas Mace cannot bring the Karban Pesach, it's because of a totally different concept, because he can't bring any Karban, nothing to do with the Tumah. So how does Rav derive from there to the case of Tomas Sharetz that he also doesn't bring the Karban Pesach because of Tumah? So to answer this question, Rab Chaim points to a further limitation that the Rambam qualifies at the end of this halacha. The Rambam says that the whole halacha that a tful yom of tamei mace cannot bring the Karban Pesach only refers to tumos min hameis shahan nazir megaleach alehen. That's only the kinds of tuma that a nazir would have to restart his entire count. But if it's the type of tuma that a nazir doesn't have to redo the whole thing, even though it's Tumas Mace, he still could bring the Karban Pesach if he's Tvul Yom. So within this halacha, the Rambam differentiates that it's only the more severe types of Tumas Mace that would force a Nazir to redo his whole vow, as opposed to the lesser severe forms which don't affect a Nazir. So they also don't stop a Tvul Yom from bringing the Karban Pesach. Now the source for this halacha is the Gemara in Nazir Nun Gimel, where it says, Rovat Samos Vervius Adam, a quarter of bones or a quarter of blood, Latruma Vikadshim, that does invalidate for Truma and Kadshim, but it's not going to affect the Nazir and the Osa Pesach. So it doesn't require the Nazir to redo his vow, and it doesn't stop someone from bringing a Karban Pesach. So the Gemara itself creates this category that the Nazir and bringing the Karban Pesach are equivalent. So that's where the Rambam derives that anything which doesn't require the Nazir to redo his vow also doesn't stop the Karban Pesach. So those two halachas are equivalent. Now in the parentheses, Rab Chaim points out that in the Tosefta and Nazir, there's a different version, which is Lenazir Vila Mikdash. So in that case, the two cases that are being compared are the Nazir redoing his vow with going into the Beis HaMikdash. So that has nothing to do with bringing the Karban Pesach. The two equivalent cases in that version are the Nazir and entering the Beis HaMikdash, not bringing the Karban Pesach. And he says that presumably that's the version the Ravid has because he questions this ruling of the Rambam. Where did he ever see that the Nazir and the Karban Pesach are equivalent? But the Rambam who had our version of the Gemara in Nazir, so that's the source that these two halachas are equivalent, they belong in the same category. But there's still a question on the Rambam, because he doesn't record exactly the halacha as it appears in the Gemara. The Rambam limits this whole leniency that anything a Nazir doesn't have to start over for doesn't stop the Karban Pesach, only to a case of Tful Yom. So the Rambam rules that if it's a Tamei Mace that a Nazir wouldn't have to redo, so then in a Tful Yom case, they could bring the Karban Pesach. But according to the Rambam, there still needs to be a process of purification. They can't just bring the Karban Pesach without purifying this person. So Rab Chaim asks that that seems to go against the Gemara because the Gemara seems to be saying something even stronger. The Gemara seems to be saying that the person can bring a Karban Pesach without purification at all, meaning we don't consider this Tumah in any way. It's not that once they're purified as a Tful Yom, they can bring the Karban Pesach, but to begin with, without doing any purification, they can bring the Karban Pesach because they're never considered Tameh. 
because that's the rule with regards to Nazir too, that he's not considered Tameh at all, not that he has to be purified. So the same should be true for the Karban Pesach, if we're saying that they're equivalent, that he can immediately bring the Karban Pesach without any purification at all. And it's clear in the Gemara that that's the meaning with regards to the other equivalent case of entering the Beis HaMikdash, because the Mishnah says that any Tumah which would not cause the Nazir to redo his vow, Ein chayoven aleha albias Mikdash. There's no punishment for entering the Beis HaMikdash. So again, the point here is much stronger. It's not that he needs purification, it's that to begin with there's no Tumah and he can immediately enter the Beis HaMikdash. So it seems clear that the meaning in the Gemara is that in this equivalent case for Karban Pesach, the person can immediately bring the Karban Pesach. We don't consider this Tumah, not that they need to be purified the way the Rambam said it. So the question is, why is the Rambam limiting this whole leniency of the Gemara only to a case of Tvul Yom and not saying that there's no Tumah to begin with? So Rab Chaim very brilliantly applies his original distinction that there are two different reasons why a Tamei Mace can't bring the Karban Pesach. One is the rules of Karban Pesach itself preclude Tumah. The second is that the rules of every Karban preclude a Tamei Mace. So the Rambam understands that the Gemara in Nazir is only referring to the general problem that a Tamei Mace can't send any Karban. So on that, the Gemara in Nazir says that if it's the type of Tumah that doesn't affect the Nazir, it also doesn't affect bringing the Karban Pesach as part of the overall rule that a Tamei Mace can't bring any Karban. So the Gemara limits that whole problem, that aspect of it, only to the types of Tumah which would affect the Nazir. But that's still not going to solve the other problem, which is that the Tameh Mace is excluded from the Karban Pesach because of the internal rules of the Karban Pesach itself. So there, there is no leniency that if it's the type of Tumah that wouldn't have affected a Nazir, it doesn't affect the Karban Pesach. The rules of the Karban Pesach preclude any Tumah, regardless of how severe it is. So that's why the Rambam rules in this case that he could only bring the Karban Pesach after he's a Tful Yom. Because at that point, the only lingering problem would have been because of the regular halacha that a Tamei Mace can't send any carbon to the Beis HaMikdash. So that's resolved because since this is a less severe form of Tamei Mace, so that problem doesn't apply. But the other problem that the Karban Pesach excludes anyone who's Tamei, even less severe forms of Toma. So that problem does, of course, apply in this case. But as Rab Chaim said earlier, that only applies until he becomes a Tful Yom. And at that point, that problem disappeared. So a Tamei Mace of a lower form that wouldn't affect the Nazir, once he becomes a Tful Yom, both problems have now disappeared. It's no longer a problem to bring the Karban Pesach because he's a Tful Yom. And it's no longer a problem to bring any Karban because it's a lower form of Tomas Mace. So that explains the Rambam's rulings in that case, why he doesn't record exactly the Gemara's halacha, because again, he's factoring in the second problem. The Gemara is just discussing one aspect of this issue, but when the Rambam comes to rule on a practical level, so he has to always be factoring in both of these reasons together. So Rab Chaim's framework for interpreting the Rambam's rulings is that in a regular case of someone who is Tamei Mace over Pesach, so there's two reasons reasons why they can't bring the Karban Pesach. One is the general rule that a Tamei Mace can't bring any Karban. The second is the specific rule of Karban Pesach 
that anyone tame can't bring it. Now, if we go down one level, so they're a tame mace tvul yom, so then the problem with the carbon pesach disappears because that issue does not apply to tvul yom. So the only remaining problem is that a tame mace can't bring any carbon, including the carbon pesach. So in that case, there's only one issue, not two. Then if we downgrade it further, another step, so it's now a tvul yom of tame mace of the sort of tumma that wouldn't affect the Nazir. So it's a lower level of Tumas mace. So then both problems disappear because the whole halacha that a Tame mace can't send a carbon does not apply to that lower level of Tumas mace. So in that case, both issues have been resolved because since it's a lower level of Tumas mace, there isn't the overall broader problem of bringing any carbon. And since it's also Tvul Yom, the specific issue of bringing a carbon Pesach is also resolved. So that's why the Rambam rules that in that case he could bring a carbon Pesach. So now given this framework, says Rab Chaim that this is finally going to answer the Gemara and Pesachim fully from the Ravid's question. Because that Gemara is comparing the story in the Torah, which was about a case of Tameh Mace, to regular forms of Tumah, even though there are different halachas. But now, says Rab Chaim, we've discovered that there is a case of Tameh Mace, which is the exact equivalent in every way of other Tumas like Tumas Sharetz. And that is the case where a person is a tful yom of a tame mace, which is not going to affect a nazir. So even though that's a case of tame mace, but they're able to bring the carbon when they're a tful yom, but when they're actually tame, they're not able to bring the carbon. So that's an exact parallel. And from there, Rav learns out his halacha of tame sheretz, that if they're a tful yom, they can bring the carbon pesach, but if they're still tame, then they cannot. So that's going to be a perfect equivalent parallel case to the case of Tamei Sharetz. Now, in the case of the Torah, it's talking about all cases of Tamei Mace, whether it's a Tful Yom or not, and whether it would affect the Nazir's vow. All of those cases are included in the story. Now, even though the regular cases of Tamei Mace, as well as all cases where the Nazir would have to redo his vow of Tamei Mace, all of those cases are different than the case of Tamei Sharetz, but there is one case within the Torah's discussion, which is, again, the Tful Yom of a Tamei Mace, which would not have affected a Nazir, that lowest level of Tamei Mace is the equivalent of Tamei Sharetz. So Rav is able to learn out his halacha from that case. So the Gemara's discussion makes perfect sense. But again, the Rambam is factoring in different elements in his practical rulings. So that's why a lot of the cases end up being stricter than that. So now in the fourth paragraph, Rab Chaim asks a brilliant question. The Rambam later on in this chapter, Paragvav Halachavav, deals with an even more complicated case. The Halacha is that we don't do the sprinkling of the purification on Shabbos. That's a rabbinic law that we're not allowed to do it on Shabbos. Now what happens in a case where Erev Pesach, the 14th of Nisan, is a Sunday, so the day before the 13th of Nisan is a Shabbos, and this person is tummy mace, but it's ending on Shabbos. So if they sprinkle them on Shabbos, 
by Saturday night, they'll be ready to do the Karban Pesach. And then on Sunday, they can fulfill the mitzvah with everyone else. But if they don't sprinkle them on Shabbos, so then they're going to need to sprinkle them on Sunday. So that means they're a tful yom of a tamay mace on Erev Pesach. And as we know, according to the Rambam, in such a case, they will not be able to fulfill the mitzvah of Karban Pesach that day. So basically not sprinkling them on Shabbos, which is their seventh day of Tumah, is going to stop them from being able to do the Karban Pesach the next day on Sunday. So the Rambam rules that even so, we do not do the sprinkling on Shabbos. The Ein Shochten Olav Kmoshe Arnu, which means that he cannot bring the Karban Pesach on Sunday. Pesach Sheni. So he'd have to do Pesach Sheni. Now the Rambam asks, V'alo Isra Hazayah B'Shabbos Mishum Shvus, Pesach Bekares. How could this be? Not sprinkling on Shabbos is only rabbinic, but not bringing a Karban Pesach is a major violation of Torah law, and the person gets the severe punishment of kares, of being cut off. So how is it possible that in order to not violate a rabbinic law on Shabbos, we force this person to not bring a Karban Pesach? So the Rambam answers, The day on which we're not allowing him to do the sprinkling, which is Shabbos, is not the day when he's actually obligated in the Karban Pesach. So when he wakes up on Shabbos morning, there is no obligation of Karban Pesach that day. The only question before us is whether we should do the sprinkling. And since that's rabbinically prohibited, so we don't allow him to do that. Even though, of course, we know that that's going to make it that the next day on Sunday, he's not able to do the Karban Pesach. But that's not the issue before us on Shabbos. Now, Sunday morning when he wakes up, so that day he's obligated to bring the Karban Pesach. So then the issue of bringing the Karban Pesach and the punishment of the Kares kicks in. But by then he's already Tomei and he's not able to correct it within that day. So he's not able to bring the Karban Pesach that day. So basically we have short-term vision in analyzing these halachic issues and we just look at the day itself, not how it's going to affect the next day. Now, at the beginning of that halacha, the Rambam rules in what seems to be a simpler case. Let's say Erev Pesach itself, so the 14th of Nisan itself is Shabbos, and the person's seventh day of Tumah is that day. So it's obvious that we're not going to do the sprinkling because it's not even going to allow them to do the Karban Pesach, according to the Rambam, because there's still going to be a Tful Yom. So certainly we're not going to violate Shabbos by doing the sprinkling that day. But now Rab Chaim asks a brilliant question. Given the Rambam, Rambam's own ruling that in a lower level Tumas Mace that wouldn't affect the Nazir, a Tful Yom can bring the Karban Pesach. So now we discovered a case where if we don't do the sprinkling on Shabbos, it's actually going to push off the Karban Pesach that very day, which goes against the whole ruling of the Rambam. The case is if the 14th of Nisan, Erev Pesach, is on Shabbos and someone has the last day of their Tumah that Shabbos. And their Tumah was Tumas Mace, but of the type that doesn't affect the Nazir. So if they can get sprinkled on Shabbos, they're going to be able to bring their Karban Pesach that day. Now, it seems clear from the Rambam that we would still not sprinkle that person on Shabbos. So we're back to the issue. According to the Rambam, how could it be that we don't sprinkle them, which is only a rabbinic law when it's going to push off the Karban Pesach for that very day? So basically, Rab Chaim has discovered an inconsistency within the Rambam's rulings. On the one hand, he's saying that we never sprinkle on Shabbos. On the other hand, given his own leniency 
for a full yom of Tomas Mace that doesn't affect the Nazir to bring the Karban Pesach. So if that falls out on Shabbos, Erev Pesach, we should do the sprinkling to allow him to bring the Karban Pesach that day. To not do the sprinkling would push off the Karban Pesach for that very day, which goes against the Rambam's explanation of that halacha. In addition, Rab Chaim says there's another question on the Rambam's whole explanation of this halacha, because the Gemara in Pesachim Samech Tes says explicitly that when the sprinkling should be done on Shabbos Erev Pesach, the rabbis doubled down on their prohibition of sprinkling, even though it forces him not to bring a Karban Pesach, which is a Kares violation. So that's against the Rambam's explanation that it's only because not sprinkling on Shabbos is going to affect the Karban Pesach the next day on Sunday, the Gemara seems to say it much more strongly that even where it affects the Karban Pesach of that Shabbos itself, still the rabbis double down on their prohibition and they did not give leniency in order to allow this person to bring the Karban Pesach. So how do we explain the Rambam against these two questions? So here Rab Chaim refers to a conceptual formulation that the Rambam himself has in Hey Halacha Beis. If someone was unable to bring a Karban Pesach the first time around, but then at Pesach Sheni, they intentionally didn't bring the Karban Pesach, so they get the punishment of Kares for the not bringing it the second time around. But someone who was Tame Obederach Rechoka, if someone was impure, or they were far away from the Beis, Mikdash over the first Pesach. So those are the two exceptions that are explicit in the Torah that they do not need to bring a carbon Pesach. So if that person who should have done Pesach Sheni, but they intentionally did not do Pesach Sheni, they still do not get Kares, Shikvar Niftar be Pesach Rishon Minha Kares, because they were already totally exempted from Kares during Pesach Rishon. So the Rambam says a very important formulation here. Even though there are four cases where a person does not have to do the Pesach Rishon, they can make it up at Pesach Sheni, which are Shogeg or Ones, a mistake or if they're unable to. And those are not explicit in the Torah, but the rabbis deduce them from the Psukim. And then there's two more cases which are explicit in the Torah of Tomei or Derech Rechoka, someone who's impure or far away from the Beis HaMikdash. So all four of those cases do not get punished with Kares for not doing the Karban Pesach the first time around, and they should do Pesach Sheni. But the Rambam says there's a big difference between these two categories, which is someone who wasn't able to do the first Pesach and then intentionally skipped the second Pesach. So the two cases that are explicitly mentioned in the Torah, this person is totally absolved from Kares, so that year they do not get any Kares, even if they intentionally skip Pesach Sheni, as opposed to the two cases that the rabbis learned out. So that's a lower level exemption from Pesach Rishon, and they really need to do Pesach Sheni. If they do not, then they will still get Kares. So basically, someone who's Tameh or far away is totally removed from the whole mitzvah of Karban Pesach, whereas someone who wasn't able to do it, even though they had a valid excuse, but they're not totally removed from this mitzvah to begin with, they're considered obligated in the mitzvah, they just have a valid excuse why they weren't able to do it. So now, says Rab Chaim very brilliantly, if we apply this formulation to the case of a tful yom of Tamei Mace, so again, as Rab Chaim explained, there is no inherent problem with bringing the Karban Pesach anymore because he's a tful yom. The only problem is the general problem that he can't have a Karban brought on his behalf 
So says Rab Chaim, that case is no longer included in the Tameh case of the Torah that we say is totally excluded from the mitzvah completely. Since this Tful Yom is not excluded because of the Karban Pesach rules, he's excluded because of the general Karban rules, so that's considered like an ones. He is obligated in the Karban Pesach, he's just not able to bring the Karban Pesach. But that's not included in the case of the Torah that totally excluded someone Tameh from the whole mitzvah of Karban Pesach. So basically, putting together Rab Chaim's explanation for the Rambam's ruling in the case of a Tameh Meistful Yom, together with the Rambam's distinction between an Ones versus someone who's Tameh. So Rab Chaim argues that since the problem in the Tameh Meistful Yom is not inherent to the Karban Pesach, it's not included under the category that the Torah itself totally removed someone Tameh from doing the Karban Pesach, but rather the problem is the general problem of Karbanos. So that means that inherently he is obligated in the Karban Pesach. He's just not able to do it for a valid reason, but that's like the case of the Ones, that he is obligated, he's just not able to fulfill it. So what follows on a practical level is that if someone is a Tameh Meis Tvul Yom on Erev Pesach, so they're obviously not able to bring the Karban Pesach the first time around, but if they then intentionally skip Pesach Sheni, so then they would get Kares. If we would say that this is a classic case of Tumah that the Torah excluded, so then of course, as the Rambam said, even if they intentionally skipped Pesach Sheni, they would not have gotten Kares. But since Rab Chaim's arguing that this is not a reflection of the classic Torah case of Tumah, this is rather included in Ones, so if they intentionally skip Pesach Sheni, then they would get Kares. So now, pulling this all together, Rab Chaim says an absolutely brilliant answer for his questions on the Rambam. The Rambam is never bothered by the case where Erev Pesach is itself Shabbos. Because in that case, when the rabbis say that you can't do Hazza'ah, what it means is that this person cannot become a Tful Yom on that day. So they remain fully Tameh. Now, anyone that's fully Tameh on Erev Pesach is totally removed from the Torah's punishment of Kares because the Torah explicitly excluded someone who's Tameh. So as we said, that's a fundamental removal from the whole mitzvah of Karban Pesach. So there is no problem in that case. If someone's final day of Tumah is on Shabbos, which is Erev Pesach, and the rabbis say that you can't do the sprinkling on that day, so that just means that he remains Tameh, and he's not obligated at all to bring the Karban Pesach to the point where there's no Kares at all because he's included in the Torah's leniency of Tumah. So that's not a problem. That's why the Gemara in Pesachim says that even though the rabbis are causing him not to bring the Karban Pesach, they're still strict in that case. And that's why the Rambam's not bothered at all by any cases where Shabbos itself is Erev Pesach, even in the case where it's a lower level Tomas Mace that wouldn't have affected the Nazir. So theoretically, if he did the sprinkling that day, he could bring the Karban Pesach. But it doesn't matter because since he's going to be Tameh on Erev Pesach, so he's included in the Torah's exception for anyone that's Tameh. The only time the Rambam had a question was in a specific case where Shabbos is the 13th. So Erev Pesach is the 14th. 
So now the Rambam asked, that approach is not going to work because since they're going to sprinkle him on Sunday morning, he's now going to be a Tful Yom. And a Tful Yom, as Rab Chaim said, is no longer included in the Torah's exception for Tameh. Now he's considered an Ones. So if that's the case, he's back in the realm of Kares, even though he has a valid excuse for not doing Pesach Rishon, but if he skips Pesach Sheni, then he could get Kares because fundamentally he's still under the rules of Kares because he's not in the category of Tameh. So there specifically the Rambam asked, how could it be that the rabbis are strict on not doing the sprinkling on Shabbos when this is going to cause someone to be Ones on Sunday? So the only time the Rambam's bothered by this is when he's going to end up at full Yom on Erev Pesach because they're going to do the sprinkling that morning. So that means that his whole leniency is only Ones. He's not included in the category of Tameh. But any time Shabbos itself is Erev Pesach, like the case in the Gemara Psachim, like the case that Rab Chaim came up with, where it's a tummy mace that doesn't affect the nazir, none of those cases bother the Rambam, because there, there's a whole different answer. Since the rabbis are not allowing the sprinkling, so he never becomes a tful yom, he remains tummy, which is a much stronger leniency from the Torah. The Torah totally removed him from the mitzvah of Karban Pesach, so there it makes sense that the rabbis can double down on their stringency, because the net result is that he gets included in the Torah's leniency of Tameh. So this very brilliant analysis of the Rambam's explanation for why we don't sprinkle on Shabbos reinforces and proves Rab Chaim's overall explanation in the Rambam that a tful yom of Tamei Mace is not excluded because of the rules of Karban Pesach, in which case, again, he would be considered Tamei and there would be no Kares, but Rab Chaim's whole explanation for the Rambam is based on the idea that he's considered an Ones because he's only excluded from the rules of bringing a regular Karban. Inherently, he is obligated in the Karban and Pesach. So that's why he's an Ones, and there is a theoretical punishment of Kares. So this explanation for the Rambam reinforces Rab Chaim's overall conceptual idea that there are two problems, and once the person becomes a Tful Yom, the problem of the Karban Pesach disappears, but the problem of bringing regular Karbanos remains. So now in the last paragraph, using these ideas, Rab Chaim returns to the question of the Raivid that he's been discussing throughout, and now he suggests that there's an even better better answer to this question. Again, the question on the Rambam is, how can the Gemara derive that anyone who's Tameh, even Tumas Sheretz, is exempt from the Karban Pesach from the case in the Torah, which is talking about Tameh Tumas Meis, and there the whole basis of that halacha is something totally different. It's because a Tameh Meis can't send any Karban to the Beis HaMikdash. That's why even when he's a Tful Yom, he can't bring the Karban Pesach. But that's very different than Tameh Sheretz, where the basis of the exemption is within the laws of Karban Pesach. And that's why if he's a Tful Yom, he would bring the Karban Pesach. Because the exemption of a Tameh from Karban Pesach does not apply to a Tful Yom. So if this is all true, how can we learn out the exemption of Tameh Sheretz, which is a law within the rules of Karban Pesach, from a totally separate halacha in the rules of general Karbanos, that someone who's Tameh Meis can't send a Karban to be brought on their behalf. 
So now, says Rab Chaim, we could answer this very nicely. Based on what he just explained, that someone who's a Tamei Meist Vulyom does not have to bring the Karban Pesach the first time around, but they're not in the exemption of Tumah of the Torah. Instead, they're considered in the category of Ones. So that means that if they intentionally don't bring it at Pesach Sheni, then they would get Kares. So that cannot be the only case that the Torah is talking about when it refers to Tumah, because again, that's not the classic case of Tumah in the Torah. So the fact that the Torah included a case of Tamei Meis in the regular case of Tumah must by definition mean that there is another type of Tamei Meis where not only is the person considered an Ones, but they're considered a full Tamei at Pesach Rishon. And even if they intentionally skip Pesach Sheni, they're still not going to get Kares. So the fact that there exists a case in Tamei Meis, which is totally exempt from Kares, even if the person intentionally skips Pesach Sheni, because it's the classic case of Tumah, which the Torah totally exempted and removed from the mitzvah of Karban Pesach. So from there we can derive that obviously included in the exemption of the Torah is a second concept that Karban Pesach is always exempt in a case of Tumah. Not only because a Tamei Mace can't send a Karban on their behalf, but in addition to that, within the rules of Karban Pesach, there's an exemption for Tumah. And as we know, that applies to anyone who's actually a Tamei Mace, not in the case of Tful Yom, but when they're still Tamei, so they have the full exemption of Tumah from Karban Pesach. So that's what the Gemara compares to the case of Tamei Sharetz. In other words, once we establish from the Torah that there has to be an exemption within Karban Pesach itself for anyone who's Tamei, over and above the Halacha that a Tamei Mace can't send a carbon to the Beis HaMikdash. In addition to that, there's this second concept, which Rab Chaim's been referring to throughout, that the carbon Pesach is exempt in all cases of Tumah. So from there, we can derive out to the case of Tamei Sharetz. So again, based on this idea that Rab Chaim suggests that a Tamei Meis Tvul Yom is exempt from Pesach Rishon, but not as the classic case of Tumah in the Torah, rather it's considered an Ones, so that now forces us to say that there must be another case where the Tumah is actually exempt because of Tumah. So that's the case of Tamei Mace itself. And from there, we can compare it to Tamei Sheretz. So that's Rab Chaim's fullest answer to the Ravid's question on the Rambam. But now Rab Chaim questions the whole assumption of his approach that he's been developing. Because he's assuming that if the problem of a Tamei Mace bringing the Karban is not within the Karban Pesach itself, it's because of the separate Halacha that a Tamei Mace can't bring any Karban, so that would not be considered Tumah with regards to the Torah's categories of exemption from Karban Pesach. Instead, that would fall under the category of Ones, because inherently he's obligated in the Karban Pesach because he's a Tful Yom, but he's unable to bring it because of this other Halacha. But now says Rab Chaim, who says that that's true? Maybe even though what's stopping him from being able to bring the Karban Pesach is a general halacha in all karbanos. But of course, the direct reason why he's not able to send the karban is because he's tamei meis. 
So maybe that's still considered within the broad category of Tumah, and we don't view that as an onus. Even though it's true that that does work a little differently than the regular exemption of Tumah, which is more direct, because he's Tameh, he doesn't bring a carbon Pesach. Here, there's another step in the middle. Because he's Tameh, he's unable to send his carbon, so that's why he can't bring the carbon Pesach. But that's all included under the overall exemption of Tumah, because at the end of the day, the reason he can't bring his carbon is because he's Tameh. So this perspective of course would collapse much of Rab Chaim's analysis in this piece because then there wouldn't be such a huge distinction between these two different reasons why a Tameh Mace can't bring the carbon Pesach. Now, Rab Chaim points out that even on this backtracking that he's doing, it would still be clear that a Tame Mace Tvul Yom does get Kares if he intentionally skipped Pesach Sheni. That much seems to be clear from what Rab Chaim proved from the Rambam. So it seems that a Tame Mace Tvul Yom is exempt from Pesach Rishon because of Onus, not because of Tumah. So that was what had seemed to indicate that since this person can't bring the Karban Pesach because of an outside halal, not rules within the Karban Pesach itself, so it's not considered Tumah, it's considered Ones. But now, says Rab Chaim, that doesn't necessarily follow, because we could interpret the case of a Tamei Meis Yom a little differently, and it could be based on Klisha Tumase, that that form of Tumah is weaker than a standard Tumah, so it's not included in the exemption of Tumah of Karban Pesach in the Torah. And that's exactly how Tosos and Pesach and Tzadiyam and Beis formulates this. And says Rab Chaim that this is also supported by the Mishnah, which explicitly says that you could offer up the Karban Pesach on behalf of a Tful Yom or Mechusar Kippurim, someone who's just missing either nightfall or bringing a Karban, but they've basically been purified. So those lower forms of impurity could have a Karban Pesach brought on their behalf. And the reason, again, is because they're lesser types of Tumah, so they're not included in when the Torah removed someone Tameh from the mitzvah of Karban Pesach. So if we take Tosos's formulation that a Tful Yom is different because it's a weaker form of Tumah, what that means is that only in the case of Tful Yom is it not included in the Torah's exemption of Tumah, so it's considered an Ones instead. So that's why if he intentionally skips Pesach Sheni, he would get Kares. But that has no bearing on the regular case of Tame Mace, which is a regular form of Tumah. So it doesn't matter why he's exempt from bringing the Karban Pesach, whether it's because of reason A, that internal to the Karban Pesach is that no one Tame has to bring it, or reason B, that a Tame Mace can't bring any Karban. So it's a broader halacha that comes from the regular rules of Karbanos, but it doesn't make a difference. Either way, it's going to be considered in the exemption of Tumah from the Torah, because at the end of the day, the reason he can't bring this Karban Pesach is because he's Tame. So again, that's going to collapse much of Rab Chaim's distinction between these two different reasons, at the end of the day, they're both considered the Torah's exemption of Tumah. And the case of Tful Yom is the one outlier that's based on something a little different because it's a weaker form of Tumah. So if we take this perspective, then we're going to be back to a form of the Ravid's question, which is again, according to the Rambam, how can the Gemara derive an exemption of Tame Sheretz from Karban Pesach based on the exemption of Tame Mace? when it's possible that the exemption of Tamei Mace is based on a totally different halacha, a totally different concept, that he can't bring any carbon which may not apply to Tamei Sheretz. So based on this, says Rab Chaim, in order to answer that question, we should say like the first perspective, 
that there is a fundamental difference between the two reasons why a Tameh Mace doesn't bring the Karban Pesach, the one internal to Karban Pesach, and the other broader to all the Karbanos. So that second reason only makes it an Ones, it does not make it a Tameh, so that's exactly how the Gemara is able to prove that there must be a second concept in the exemption of Tameh Mace, which relates to Tumah itself, that anyone whose Tameh doesn't have to bring the Karban Pesach, and from there we learn out the exemption of a Tameh Sheret, in Karban Pesach. So basically, Rab Chaim doesn't have another external proof to how he's formulating this in the Rambam, but his only proof is that this formulation will answer the Ravid's question. So this is Rab Chaim's piece in order to explain this ruling of the Rambam and answer the Ravid's question. The Ravid asked a more technical question that according to the Rambam, how can the Gemara compare Tamei Sheretz and Tamei Meis if in the case of Tful Yom, the Tamei Meis cannot bring a Karban Pesach while the Tamei Sheretz can? So the Ravid's formulation of the question is more technical. Rab Chaim resolved this according to the Rambam by introducing the Rambam's view that a Tamei Mace cannot bring any Karban. So that's the reason a Tamei Mace full Yom cannot bring the Karban Pesach. It's based on that other Halacha. And then that leads Rab Chaim to a more conceptual formulation of the Ravid's question, which is how can we compare the case of Tamei Sheretz to Tamei Mace if there's a fundamentally different reason why a Tamei Mace can't bring the Karban Pesach. So Rab Chaim has two formulations to answer that. That. The first is that there is a case within Tamei Mace, a lower level of Tamei Mace, where the halacha that he can't bring any carbon does not apply. So the fact that he still cannot bring the carbon Pesach tells us that anyone who's Tamei, even Tamei Sheretz, can't bring a Karban Pesach. His second, more conceptual answer is that the halacha that a Tamei Mace can't bring any Karban doesn't fall under the category of Tumah that the Torah exempted from Karban Pesach. It would be considered an onus. But the fact that the Torah also exempted Tumah indicates that there must be a second factor going on here, that anyone who's Tamei, including Tamei Sheretz, doesn't bring the Karban Pesach. So that's Rab Chaim's overall approach to the Rambam. The key conceptual point in this piece is that according to the Rambam, there are two reasons why someone Tamei Mace is exempt from the Karban Pesach. One is that Tumah is always exempt from the Karban Pesach, any form of Tumah, even Tamei Sheretz. The other is that a Tamei Mace cannot have any carbon brought on their behalf, not only a carbon Pesach, but every carbon. So those two reasons converge in the case of a Tamei Mace offering up a carbon Pesach. And Rab Chaim plays around in this piece with how these two factors are going to interact with each other in different cases. So for example, in the Tamei Mace Tful Yom case, or in a Tamei Mace of a lower level, the type of Tumah which would not affect the Nazir. So in those cases, the way these two factors interact are going to affect the practical halacha, and that's how Rab Chaim explains different details of the Rambam. In addition, Rab Chaim touches on another conceptual point, which is actually from the Rambam himself, that there's a fundamental distinction between the cases of Tamei or Derech Rechoka, the two exceptions to Karban Pesach that the Torah itself listed, versus the case of Onus or Shogeg, which are what the rabbis derived from the Torah. The two cases in the Torah itself are totally exempt and removed from Karban Pesach. There's no kares even for intentionally skipping Pesach Sheni. The cases that the rabbis derived, though, are not totally exempt from the mitzvah. Theoretically, they're obligated in the Karban Pesach. They just have a valid reason why they can't do it. 
So that's why they don't get kares the first time around. But if the person skips it intentionally at Pesach Sheni, then there would be a punishment of kares. And Rab Chaim ties this distinction into his overall idea by saying that when the Torah exempted someone Tameh from the Karban Pesach, that only refers to when the exemption comes from the internal exemption of Karban Pesach itself. But if the exemption is because this person cannot bring a sacrifice in general, so that would be considered onus, not toma. So that's Rab Chaim's piece and some of the major ideas. Now, there are some key questions on Rab Chaim's analysis. And in the back of the Or Olam edition of Chidush Rabbein Chaim Alevi, they go through some of this. One of the big issues is in the third paragraph, Rab Chaim suggested that the Rambam's distinction between different types of Tamei Mace, so whether or not it would affect the Nazir, the Rambam said that if it's not the type of Tamei Mace which would affect the Nazir, so then a Tamei Mace full Yom of that Tumah is able to bring a Karban Pesach. Now, the Ravid questions where the Rambam got this whole concept from, and Rab Chaim quoted that there's a Gemara in Nazir which compares with regards to Tamei Mace the cases of a Nazir redoing his vow with not being able to bring a Karban Pesach. So that's where the Rambam saw in the Gemara that these two categories in Halacha are equivalent when it comes to the issue of what form of Tamei Mace affects them. Now, then Rab Chaim questioned why the Rambam limits the whole Halacha only to full Yom when the Gemara seems to be saying that there's no Tumah to begin with. So Rab Chaim answered that the Rambam understands that the Gemara is only talking about the halacha of whether he could send a carbon, meaning the general halacha of whether Tamei Mace can offer up any carbon, not the specific carbon Pesach. So that's why the Rambam limits the whole leniency only to Tful Yom, not to a regular Tamei Mace. So this was Rab Chaim's approach to interpreting the Rambam. Now in the Or Olam edition, they quote that Rab Isser Zalman Meltzer and the Evan Ha'azel and Hil as well as the Chazon Ish in his marginal comments on the Evan HaAzel. So not his marginal comments on Rab Chaim, but his marginal comments on the Evan HaAzel. This is quoted in the Sefer Or Haner, as well as the Sefer Evan Sion, as well as Rab Shach in the Avi Ezri in his discussion of the Rambam here. So they all really question Rab Chaim's interpretation because first of all, the Gemara uses the language of Ve'ose Pesach, that someone who has this lower form of Tumah could bring a Karban Pesach. According to Rab Chaim, it should have focused on all Karbanos, because again, according to Rab Chaim, it's a leniency in the overall Halacha that a Tamei Mace can't bring any Karban. So the Gemara should have said that in this case, he could bring a regular carbon. Why is it focused specifically on the carbon Pesach? That seems to indicate that it's a halacha which is specific to carbon Pesach. So the language of the Gemara doesn't fit great with Rab Chaim's interpretation that this is addressing the broader issue of a Tamei Mace bringing any carbon when the Gemara seems to focus in on the issue of the carbon Pesach specifically. In addition, they also ask on Rab Chaim, if this is a general leniency in a Tamei Mace bringing any carbon, then why didn't the Rambam record this halacha in Hilchus Bias Mikdash where he's discussing the broader issue of a Tamei Mace bringing any carbon? Why does the Rambam record this leniency in the specific discussion of carbon Pesach? 
So again, the context in which the Rambam records this leniency seems to indicate that it's specific to Karban Pesach, not more broadly to other Karbanos, which is why he records it in the laws of Karban Pesach, not in the laws of general Karbanos. So again, the placement of this halacha in the Rambam seems to go counter to Rab Chaim's idea that this is a leniency in the general rule of Tamei Mei springing a Karban, not specifically in the Karban Pesach. So there are some very good questions Questions on this point in Rab Chaim's interpretation that the later Sfarim pose. Now, in addition, Rab Shach has a bunch of other questions on Rab Chaim. He quotes that the Minchas Chinuch in Mitzvah Shin Pei says that let's say someone was Tamei, but they had the opportunity to purify themselves and then they could have brought the Karban Pesach, but they were unable to purify themselves because of a valid reason. So they were an onus in not purifying themselves. So this person is now exempt from the Karban Pesach, but are they exempt under the category of Tumah or Ones? So the Minchas Chinuch says that that would be considered Ones, because even though technically they're Tamei, but they could have gotten out of the Tumah. The only reason they didn't is because they were an Ones in being purified. So that's considered an Ones. The case of Tumah in the Torah is when halachically a person is unable to get purified by the time they need to bring the Karban Pesach. So based on this, Rav Shach asks, on one of the points in Rab Chaim's analysis, because he said that in a case where someone could be purified on Shabbos, which is Erev Pesach, but the rabbis stop him from being purified, so that would be considered Tamei, not Ones. So there would be no Kares at all, even if he then intentionally skips Pesach Sheni. So Rab Chaim's assumption is that since he's still technically Tamei at the Seder, that's included in the exemption of the Torah for Tumah. But according to the Minchas Chinuch's perspective, which makes a lot of logical sense, so that would actually still be considered Ones, and there would be a punishment of Kares if he skips Pesach Sheni. So basically, Rab Chaim seems to be making an assumption that in a case where a person could have gotten out of the Tumah, but they weren't able to for a valid reason, that's still considered Tumah and not Ones. But there's strong evidence against that assumption. And Rab Chaim himself seems somewhat aware of this point, because because in the last paragraph, he himself goes back and forth over the issue of if there's another valid reason why someone Tame can't bring a Karban Pesach because they're Tame, whether that's considered Tuma or Ones. So Rab Chaim himself seems to touch somewhat on this question. Now, related to this, Rab Shach poses a few other questions but they really get into the details of Rab Chaim's analysis. So I don't want to go through each of them, but one of the issues with Rab Chaim's approach is that he's including in the Torah's exemption of someone Tamei from the mitzvah of Karban Pesach also the factor that a Tamei mace can't bring any Karban. Now that halacha really seems unrelated to the concept of Karban Pesach, but at some times in this piece, Rab Chaim seems to be including it in the Torah's discussion of the laws of Karban Pesach. And Rab Chaim himself throughout this piece seems somewhat torn about this issue because at times it sounds like that leniency, which is unrelated to the laws of Karban Pesach, is included in the Torah's leniency of a Tamei from Karban Pesach, whereas at other times, it seems to be that that's a separate factor, but it's not what the Torah is referring to when it excludes someone Tamei from the Karban Pesach. So that is one of the issues lingering in the background of this piece. 
how much is that other external factor as to why someone who's Tamei Mace can't bring the Karban Pesach directly included in the Torah's discussion or not. So those are some of the issues that Rav Shach raises and questions on this piece from Rav Chaim. Now, one final point. In the back of the Or Olam edition, they quote a very interesting discussion from Rav Shmuel Aaron Yudalovitz. This is in the Sefer Tiferes Rafal, page 323. And he tells how he discussed this with Rab Chaim's son, Rab Velvel, the Brisker Rab. So basically, Rab Shmuel Aaron Yudalovitz says the following. The Gemara in Tmura Yudalid says that any sacrifice which has a set time, so it has to be brought at a specific time, even if a person is tame, they can bring it. So based on that, he wants to know why can't someone tame bring the Karban Pesach? Because of course it has a set time. It must be brought on the 14th of Nisan. So he answers based on a Gemara in Pesachimah in Bava that the problem with someone Tame bringing a Karban Pesach is not so much in the offering of the sacrifice, which again would ordinarily be allowed for someone Tame for a time set sacrifice. But the issue with the Karban Pesach is that they need to eat the Karban Pesach and that they can't do when they're Tame. So even though there's an exception that someone tummy can offer a sacrifice which has a set time, but they're not able to eat the carbon meat, and when it comes to the carbon Pesach, they must be able to eat from the carbon Pesach, and since they're tummy, they can't do that, so that's why someone tummy is exempt from the carbon Pesach. So he says that he mentioned this idea to the Briskarov, who agreed with him on this point, and he quoted another proof to this from the Sifri. So then he says that he asked the Briskarov, if this is the case, then how can Rab Chaim in this piece say that there are two problems with a Tamei Mace bringing the Karban Pesach? One is internal to the Karban Pesach itself, and the other is because a Tamei Mace can't bring any Karban. But as we just said, there is a leniency for someone Tamei to bring the Karban Pesach. The problem is not in the offering of the Karban Pesach. The problem is in the eating of the Karban Pesach. So the halacha that a Tamei Mace can't bring a Karban does not seem relevant to the Karban Pesach because that's a time set sacrifice. So there is a leniency for a Tamei person to bring it. Again, the only problem would be with them eating it. And that has nothing to do with the general halacha of the Rambam that a Tamei Mace cannot offer up any sacrifice. So basically this idea would be a question on Rab Chaim's two elements as to why a Tamei Mace can't bring the Karban Pesach because the one that a Tamei Mace can't bring any Karban has nothing to do with the eating. It has to do with the offering and that's not the problem when it comes to someone Tamei bringing the Karban Pesach. So he quotes that the Briskarov told him that he remembers that Rab Chaim himself asked this question and he must have had a great answer but he doesn't seem to have remembered what it was. So of course the Briskarov's attitude and reverence for his father's Torah is such that he always assumes that Rab Chaim must have been aware of potential problems and had solutions to them.